long story short, I was robbed. And in point of that robbery, I remember the guy putting a gun to my chest just right there and saying, like, give me everything. Dr. Daniel Moses. Dr. Daniel Moses. Dr. Daniel Moses. A Forbes millionaire. A property investor. An author. A husband and a father. And he's on a mission to show you that being an entrepreneur isn't easy. And I'm like, England is not working for me. Let me go back to Nigeria and start oil and gas business. Year one, year two, year three, it's all working well. And now I start to go holidays. Bam. Late 2015, I get a phone call on one of my drivers. We just had an accident. He's out there screaming and shouting. And I remember just looking at my wife and telling my wife, you know, I quit being an entrepreneur. I quit being a business person. I was making over ten thousand pounds profit, clear profit. My mom got myself an Uber license, and I started driving for Uber. I'm driving so hard. One morning, I'm coming from Stansted Airport. I fall asleep on the wheel. Welcome to the CEO of you, Daniel Moses. Doctor Daniel. Doctor. Moses. Ooh, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> My on, apologies. Daniel. Thanks for traveling down from London, yeah. Kent. Um, so we're gonna begin. Go straight into it, straight into the deep end. You said you're an open book. Absolutely. I'm an open book. Mm. Let's begin. So the first question I have for you is, so upcoming in June, you have your book, second second book? Yeah, second, second book. Second book coming out called The Test. And um, we spoke on the meeting and you said the first chapter was your favorite chapter. Now the name of this chapter was Push Through the Pain. Yes. Why is this your favorite chapter? Number one, the, fav- the reason why the, ch- the push to the pain is my favorite chapter is that as entrepreneurs, we go through personal pains, we go through business pains, but sometimes we often let these pains that we go through in life be the reason why we actually never get to start, mm-hmm. rather the reason why we want to quit. So chapter number one, I go through my entire 22 years you know, of my entrepreneurship journey to kind of analyze, to see that everything that became successful in my life, I had to go through so much pain to achieving the next step. So, and watching the likes of the successful entrepreneurs out there, especially someone like Elon Musk, I read, I was watching it, I was actually watching a video documentary on Elon Musk because I saw someone I study a lot. And he said that there were times when he started his business where he had to work around the clock, doing over 120 hours in a week to try to grow as an entrepreneur. So, but 22 years ago, I did not know that it was normal sometimes that you're going to have to work extra, extremely hard to becoming Mm. a successful entrepreneur. Mm. So when we grow as entrepreneurs or rising stars, we often think from the very get-go, we become entrepreneurs, we're going to be financially ahead tomorrow. We're going to have everything we've ever wanted and all the successes are just going to drop in our faces by just making this little effort. Push through the pain tells you that actually, no, you know, I had to go through so much pains. The, the pain of even being in gangs at the early part of my life, mm. way back in university. You know, I kind of share, before being in the gang, I was a sales guy. I was a guy who sells anything in school, in campus, in the university. I sell books, I sell clothes, I sell cars, I sell anything sellable. I gained a lot of traction, became very popular in, in university. But very, very quickly, I became a target for different rivalry groups. Where was a, this back at? Way back in 2000. And this was when I was in university between 1999 to 2004. Okay. So this was especially la- during the last two years of being in uni. And I had this massive pressure, you know? So and at some point, I felt like, you know what? I had to battle the pressure 
times where people who I saw things to will slap me big time, boom, in your face, you know, just by asking them to pay the remaining of the money they owed you, going out for dinners or, mm. you know, or just having a great time with your girlfriend and being told to walk away from your girlfriend, mm. you know, all these different things in campus. But obviously I was very well known because I was selling anything. I was selling cars and every, every other, you know, every other things on campus. I had good cars. I went to university. I drove four cars in four years while I was in school because mm. I will sell something. I will upgrade my cars and so on and so forth. Obviously, my elder brothers gave me that leeway to sort of have that sort of early start of entrepreneurship. So I just kind of share how that played an impact and how that also made me make some kind of decisions, you know, to, you know, to, to defend myself. And as well as to continue to sell, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. but it got to a point where, you know, the pressure was just too much and people were killing each other. And, and that had to motivate me to escape out of University of Benin and as well as allowed me to escape into a country like England where I knew nobody. Mm -hmm. And I go just basically sharing how those little challenges that could have stopped my entrepreneurship mindset or actually changed my entrepreneurship Partnership trajectory where I was thinking I was going to be successful, you know, at that point I wasn't, but I had to leave. So Push Through Your Pain is just a chapter in the book where I look back, I'm like, well, two things. I could have, you know, abandoned being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two, I could have probably even been, been dead by now. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously this is almost about 22 years plus ago. So how did, you know, what did I learn from that? How did I use that to kind of pivot to the point of the kind of level of success I've had now? A lot of entrepreneurs go through different things in their life, not actually applying, whether it being the mistakes, the errors, or the positive things that you did in your life to become the true version of yourself as a true entrepreneur. A lot mm -hmm. of people think entrepreneurs fall from the skies. No, entrepreneurs are made through the challenges, the hurt, the pains, the struggles you go through in life, you know, that, that makes you become the greatest version of yourself. So chapter number one is such a chapter where I literally share so many pains that I went through in my life, you know, of over the last 22 years and how that built my resilience level as a true entrepreneur that I am now. Mm, I like it. Perfectly well said. So besides the first chapter, is there any other chapters you loved while writing the book? Yeah, absolutely. Another chapter I really love about the book is The Overcoming Entrepreneur. Please talk yeah. to me about that. Do you have a common entrepreneur is just when you've pushed through the pain and you think all oh, things is working, mm -hmm. all right? <laughs> there is, the sun is shining. Yeah. And all of a sudden, bam, another challenger. You know, you're asking yourself all this different question. When do I actually get there? Mm. You know? So I'll give it a very similar example. example. Uh, chapter number one, I said I spoke about push through the pain and I spoke about my early days in life, how... You know, I became a member of a gang and I was selling things. I arrived in the United Kingdom, for example, and 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 I got here and I had to do all different types of linear job and eventually learn selling things, you know, again in the UK and that built up a business. Now, in overcoming entrepreneur, whilst I arrived in the UK and I met my wife in a bus, you know, and I had to add value. So when I met my wife the very first time in a bus, I had to add value. What was the value I added? The value was... I'm trying to chat to this pretty girl on the bus and she's not paying attention. Okay, what can I do to add value in terms of what can I do to really make me stand out from the normal guy who just wants a number? She mm -hmm. had so many bags to carry and she came to the bus. So I had to help her be the handyman who will help her 
take those bags to our doorstep and to use that to get the number, even though that, that didn't work. But then again, I kept, you know, I, didn't work. it didn't work. <laughs> but she, she's like, regardless of the fact that you just added value by helping me push, push, you know, take my bag to my door, but sorry, I ain't going to give you my number. But then again, focus on the law of attraction and, you know, and bumping into her again, again, adding so much value again, and eventually having to, 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 to collect her number. Mm-hmm. And in business, sometimes we often never understand the fact that for someone to buy something from you, you have to add value, mm-hmm. right? The value is maybe giving free information or actually even serving completely for free sometimes. You know, I do this all the time. People ask me to come to their events to speak or to be around. And I go there with free copies of my book. My book on Amazon is £10, right? If I was to say 100 copies of my book, how much is that? You can imagine that's mm-hmm. over £1,000, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, sometimes you got to add value. So now on Overcoming Entrepreneur, it was how I got issues and I how I added value at every given point in time to grow to a certain point where I felt, okay, things was all good. And then I had another massive challenge again, which kind of locked me out of the United Kingdom for over a year. Thank you for watching the CEO of You podcast. And recently we've had a look at our analytics and we've noticed over 80% of you guys are not subscribed. So if you could do us a favor, hit the like button, subscribe button, and also comment down below as well. Thank you and back to the video. The reason why people see entrepreneurs as people who are sometimes for themselves is because of the largest part of the creative mindset that they have to making this work. So you spoke about a lot of challenges that you faced. I just want you to bring some of those challenges onto the podcast and share with the viewers because where you are now is amazing. A multi-million pound business owner. So I want to start with the first challenge you told us. Well, I think it would be the first in your like journey of an entrepreneur. Yeah. It was when you had a gun to your chest back in Nigeria. Yes. Tell us about that. So... On one of the chapters in the book, I think this is between chapter one or chapter three. So I spoke about, at some point, I met an individual that got me to, into some sort of trouble. Uh-huh. And that trouble, all right, I couldn't go through it anymore. I had to relocate. I've, like, I literally said, you know what? I've got to go back to Nigeria. Uh-huh. And I went back home to Nigeria. Go back to Nigeria. Then I couldn't. I would probably want to use almost like voluntarily just you know, voluntarily just say, you know, I quit, I leave, you know, let me go back to Nigeria. I had a wife here though, uh, because there was pressure, you know, at every angles of my life. So I just wanted to take a break. So, and I went back to Nigeria and I couldn't come back, you know, for over a year because my visa had expired. The UKBA wouldn't renew my visa, Mm -hmm. you know, due to that particular lawsuit that was against me, you know, because the test is written in two forms. This is the first of the part of the test. Okay. So I'm in Nigeria now. I'm like, okay, I'm going through legal battles in the UK. I'm back to Nigeria. You know, let me take a break. Let me, you know, let me go life easy and everything else. One of these evenings, I go out with my very close friends, Edwin. Mm. And I'm back with Edwin. We're just having a great time in the evening. And that day, to be honest, I'm talking to my wife through the day. So my wife is telling me, you know, how things are going and everything else. And we just said, you know what, let's just go out. Let's just, let's, let's take a deep breath. Let's go out. Mostly back in the UK. This was Nigeria. Oh. And, and then on that same evening, one of the cars that I, I had shipped to Nigeria, all right? Yeah. Someone wants to actually buy it as well. Getting back, we're chilling somewhere with the car yeah. and everything else. 
and having a great time, rounded up by a group of five boys, all right? Mm -hmm. And put down in the gutter, all right? And basically, uh, you know, like, it's almost like your money or your life or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, in Nigeria, it, you can easily tell when someone is just come from a different country. Number one, you probably look fresher, yeah. you know, because of the sun. Your, your mm. skin is a bit more, you know, you know, brighter. You know, when I'm speaking, people can tell that probably he's lived abroad and stuff like that. So anyway, long, long story short, I was robbed. And in point of that robbery, I remember the guy putting a gun to my chest just right there and saying, like, give me everything or else I'm going to, you're dead. And I'm like, listen, you see that car right there? It's mine. This is a car I'm selling. Mm. See that car right there? It's mine. I've got a couple of hundred quid in my pocket. Here is my jewelry and everything. There you go. Just please don't shoot me. And I'm negotiating with the guy. The guy, and the moment I even said that was my car, the initial plan was like of, of the guys that like, you know what, let's 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 take him with us. I think he's got more. And that, those were the things I was hearing them talk. Yeah, let's take him. They're speaking obviously local language. Uh -huh. And I'm like, and I'm negotiating my life with these guys. I'm like, listen, I've given you guys the car, I've given you guys all the money, and I'm negotiating with, with going put to my chest. It was quite a terrific, it was very, it was not terrific, it was a very horrible, horrible, horrible moment. It's like all the odds are just against me. Mm -hmm. mm. And I let it go. And eventually one of them like, you know what, bro? Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they basically took the car. They took the money. They even took the shit I was wearing. They took my watch. They took everything. And then they left. And looking back mm. and I'm like, did I just negotiate my life to survive, to live? Because mm. what was my mindset going for at that time? Giving my car, giving everything away. Mm. If I can lose it, I can make it back. Yeah. If I can lose it, I can loan some more money to buy another car to resell again. So it wasn't more about what I was losing. It was the creativity mindset of, yeah, I'm just in a massive turbulence right now. Mm, I get and it. as long as I can breathe the air through my nostrils, you can do it again. Regardless of whatever profit I was going to make, mm. I will always make it again. If this guy's leave me today, like I'm like, God, if this guy, I'm, I'm like, God, if this guy's leave me today, if this guy's leave me today, <laughs> I'm promising God I will never do this, I will never do this, I will never do this. So it was just like at every single part of my entrepreneurship journey was just dark moments of dark moments of dark moments that could have actually turned so many fear in my life that I probably would be one of the most useless people if I did not keep fighting against all the odds. Beautiful. And I think there's two more main struggles that I remember. One, 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 one struggle is actually a big fear, I think for a lot of people and it's, Losing a parent. Yeah. In 2004, you said you lost your father. Yeah. In I'd 2004, I lost my dad and that was, it was painful. You know, I was young, about to, I was about to graduate from University of Benin. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was a great guy. When I say great guy, indeed, he was a great guy. 30, mm. 30 children, seven wives, you know, 26 of my late father's children. I don't know some of my siblings. He was a great guy. 
Um, I, sometimes I say, you know what? I wish my dad worked a bit more as hard as, hard as I'm working, kind of. <laughs> and he builds this kind of name that I'm building for myself now where mm. my son, God willing, in the next future, my son will be known for some certain things. Obviously, you know, he was he he did his best, right? And I love my dad very much. I knew him. It's mm-hmm. not like I I really knew my dad. Um, he was a great guy. Even though he didn't raise me, my mother raised me. The reason why my mother raised me was my mom, my mother left my dad when I was 10. Okay. You know, my brothers, my other brothers was like, you know what? Because they all the women live in the same house. So, and you know, in Africa, polygamy. It can be, there's a lot of diabolic stuff that goes around. So my mom, you know, my brothers be the house mom so my brothers pays through my school fees and everything else. Mm. And for that, when I lost my dad, I remember two days before I'd just been with him. And what killed my dad actually was that he was feeling unwell and he went to a chemist and bought himself a tablet called Maluxin. And it's a malaria tablet. He got malaria tablet. And, you know, because in Nigeria, you can just go to a chemist, like a pharmacist. And then you can buy whatever you want. And just like we have pharmacists in England. Mm -hmm. He bought the fake one at that particular place. He was a chain smoker. So, and instantly the tablet that he got flared up. Within 24 hours, he was rushed into the hospital. Because he was a smoker for a very long time, his heart enlarged very quickly by two o'clock the next day he was dead so it wasn't like he was sick for like days or something what we know and we remember that he was ill he took himself to the chemist which is called the pharmacist Mm -hmm. in nigeria he bought the tablet took it relaxed a little bit and then the next day things just got worse by two o'clock the next day as soon as they discovered he was he had um you know had enlarged you know as soon as we took him to the hospital, mm-hmm. they checked him out. They discovered he had a heart enlargement. The moment we were rushing him to the, hosp- the next hospital, making an arrangement to move him from a private hospital to UBTH, a, you know, University of Benin Teaching Hospital is called. And within an hour, I'm in school, to be honest. I was in school. Mm. And, and I remember myself and my girlfriend then, you know, we were in a restaurant, lunch. I get a text message. Where you come home now? What's what's gonna just come home? Wherever you are now, just come home. You know. Mm. Yeah. Did ha- it, it, it's it's um yeah. Today's the, the, the he died in May as well. Oh, oh. fucking donuts! Yeah. It's a great man. You know, he didn't Miss- die young. He died at seventy five. Oh, he did his best. Did that give you more reason to push forward? I think one of the greatest things I learned from my dad, my dad married so many wives, mm-hmm. you know, and I say this to my my wife, I have the time, I say polygamy runs in my vein, right? My dad married seven wives. Most of my brothers as well, two wives. I've never said this before on social media. I think I haven't <laughs> said this before. But most of my, some of my brothers, two wives, three wives. So polygamy runs in my vein. Mm. But one of the things I learned from my dad was never to allow that polygamy. You know, in Africa, they say, not just Africa, sometimes you are your dad. Mm-hmm. Most men are their dads. Yeah. So my dad inspires me so much that he was never a millionaire, 
part of the reason why I'm working every single day. Like I have to be a millionaire, multi-millionaire. I have to work. My dad wasn't an entrepreneur. My dad was a police officer, right? Mm. He worked, he retired. He was honored by the, by the, our king when he retired. So, my, you know, he, he married so many wives. My mother is the second wife. So part of the things that inspired me not to, you know, you know, to be present in, the, in my children's life, all these mm -hmm. things came from my dad. So my dad is my biggest inspiration in terms of me being married to my wife today, 17 years. It's going to be 17 years I've been married to my wife in a couple of days' time. Mm -hmm. Right? Myself and my son, we're very close. We do have our little fight. He's 15. You know how it is when yeah, you guys yeah, are growing teenagers. up, right? <laughs> teenagers age. You know, he's trying, to, he's trying to balance in between. But then again, my father is the reason why, you know, I have been able to hold my marriage for 17 years. My father is the reason why I'm, pre I'm a present father mm. in the life of my children. Mm. So a lot of inspiration has come from him. Tani's left a massive impression on yeah, yes. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have seven wives. I wanted to be present in, in the life of my wife. And I tell my wife every single day, regardless if myself and my wife have a little bit of dis disagreement, mm -hmm. we settle it instantly. It's not, it doesn't, not tomorrow, not a week after. We talk about it right then and there, you know? And yeah, we can, we, she can be moody for about the next 24 hours. I can be moody for the next 24 hours, but it cannot pass mm. 12 to 24 hours. And that's one of the, the reasons why I've kept my marriage. Amazing. There's no, there's no sort of, you know, no, it's very straightforward. We discuss it. If I'm wrong, I'm very apologetic when I'm wrong, by the way. Yeah. You know. Gotta be accountable, innit? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, so yeah. <laughs> you so a lot of inspiration has come from my, from my father. Okay. So moving on from obviously leaving Nigeria and coming to the UK, and obviously you spoke about it in your book, obviously you just said push for the pain. In 2015, I'm guessing that was a year of a lot of pain because you was also doing an Uber driver and believe me, correct me if I'm wrong, you also lost 150K? Yeah, so... And also you thought the year following year after, 2016, you thought about quitting entrepreneurship? Yeah. In 2000, like I said, looking at my life over the last 22 years is one of the reasons behind me writing the book called The Test, the transitioning of the ordinary to the extraordinary. I think it's important for the audience to know this. At every given point in time, the life that we live, whether being an entrepreneur, whether being a professional, whatever you are, you are actively transitioning. Mm. But sometimes in that journey of that transitioning, some people hit so many brick work. And when you hit those many brick wall, you quit. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people quit. I came to a conclusion that pain is part of the process. Pressure is part of the process. But as long as you learn how to convert them to work for you, it will start to work for you. Mm. Regardless of how I feel, now, 2023, everything makes sense. I know it's just a turbulence. And again, this is why it's so important to our mentors, to our people that aspire as you. So 
when I've gone through the pain and I think I'm overcoming entrepreneur, and all of a sudden, I relocate once more back to Nigeria in 2012. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, England is not working for me. Let me go back to Nigeria and start oil and gas business. Year one, year two, year three is all working well. And now I start to go holidays. I'm traveling to Dubai. Mm. My wife came to Nigeria. The kids came to Nigeria the first time. You know, money is not really becoming any much of a problem anymore. And things are stabilizing. Bam. Late 2015, I get a phone call from one of my drivers. And he's out there screaming and shouting. He spoke Nigerian language. Oga, Oga, Oga. What is it, Mr. Paul? And he's like, we just had an accident. 65 liters of truck, petroleum product, tankers, running into each other, somersaulting into the valley, blowing up. Every time I, every time I share this, I, um, I try just to hold myself, you know, I, I try to hold myself, but I can't, mm -hmm. I can't because I think challenges make you, you know, challenges just make you stronger. Yeah, it just, as long as you never stop, you know? Yeah. As long as you never stop. And I remember just looking at my wife and telling my wife, you know, that's it, no more. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's it, no more. You know, I try, I just try, you see, I say no more entrepreneurship, no more business. <laughs> No more. I'm like, no more. I'm like, no more, no more. And I don't even know how we even survived for the next couple of months. And I just quit. I quit, be, I quit being an entrepreneur. I quit being a business person. So what, what, what happened? What did you do? If as you quit, as you said, transition. No. What was the next transition? I just normal job. No more. I just I just went and I got myself a delivery driver job with um, with Yodel, and then mm. eventually Amazon. Oh. I just stopped being. I just stopped. I said no more business. Mm. The value of the product was over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. My money, mm. and some investors' money. Oh God, where, like. The question was, where do I start from? Where do I begin? Like, where? How? And gradually I found myself going through depression. Mm -hmm. I got found myself going through depression. I feel like I don't feel like getting out of bed. You know, I started to drink a lot. But I didn't become an alcoholic, but I just started to drink. Yeah. And I started suffering palpitations, anxiety. Just hate myself. You know, my wife didn't even understand me anymore. All of a sudden, my marriage is going through stress, pressure. 
It was hard. 2016 was so hard. It was just so hard. Eventually, someone said I could make a bit more money than I was making as a delivery man. And I got myself an Uber license and I started driving for Uber. You know, but looking back now, by the way, it's all a blessing. Jeez. Yeah. So now we're at the stage of, as he said, you push through that pain. Where does it all begin for you to start to see the wins? And this when this was when God showed up. Yeah. Quite a very interesting story again. You know, as I'm driving Uber, I'm driving over 18 hours a day. And I remember dropping someone off in Stansted Airport. Hmm. I was so tired because I was driving over 18 hours a day. Because remember, I'm making over 10,000 pounds this time. I'm, you know, as an, uh, you know, as a, as a, when I was doing my, 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 my oil and gas business, I'm making over 10,000 pounds easily profit. Nigeria don't pay taxes. I'm making a lot of money. In order for me to keep up my expenses in life in the UK, I have to drive over 18 hours. How much, how much money was you making? I was making that? over I was making over 10,000 pounds profit, clear profit month. a month yeah. over. And this is after paying all my expenses and everything else. Okay. Is it living comfortably? I was living well. It's really living really well. And now I'm driving Uber. I have to work two fines harder to even try to make five, three, four thousand pounds a month because I've got a mortgage to pay, I've got a car to pay, I've got kids. You know, I'm an African man in, in where I come from. The man pays the bills. The business is not for you, you and your wife to share. Mm. You know, for the time where my wife survived me, you know, whilst I was going through all of that, mm. it was not, it was an embarrassment. Now, I'm driving so hard. One morning, I'm coming from Stansted Airport and I fall asleep on the wheel. Yeah. And my car literally going to where it's hard shoulder and and you know, like when you just you wake trip. up like that. So I was like, oh my days. And the only thing I can hear in my head is you need the rest. Pull over on the next station, you know, and sleep. For me, for those who don't believe in God, who say that was divine universe. But for me, that was God. That was God almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Mm. You know, my Lord Jesus, who I believe in, speaking to me. And I went to the petrol station, service service center. I pulled over, I was sleeping. And yet again, I had a quick nap. And from that nap, I was in a property conference room. And they're teaching about property and all of that. And guess what? I wake up. I'm a, I take off my phone and literally... Just scrolling through, okay, let me get a ride that will bring me into the city so I can just go home and rest for the day. Mm -hmm. And there you are, Facebook. How to get side in property, da 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 da, da. we lead to all the money. And it's, a, it's an event in central London. My Vanquish credit card was literally a £150 limit. The event was £70. Pounds. And it was the only £70 pound that I had left on my credit card. Oh. My credit card limit was 150, I had like 72 or 73 pound left. I spent 70 pound, 
And that's exactly how I became the person I am today. I paid our less 70 pounds and it's been mentorship after mentorship, dev personal development after, <clears throat> after development. And I have never had so much divine favor, so much divine favor since I started property in my entire life. It's just, I've never grown consistently for five years before. This is my sixth year on the books. However, the learning started towards the end of 2016. Well, God has just been, every time I could have failed, even in property, mm. right now, yesterday, the year before, the, the previous year, God just always brings me a helper. He brings me a deal. Before I seek, the doors open. Before I knock, it opens. Before I ask, I'm given. But one thing I learned is not only the divine God is in the present, but I think is the work ethic as well. Because when you have the work ethic and God opens the, the door for you. So sometimes, yes, entrepreneurship, it's challenge after challenge. And how your spirituality is also come to helping you as well. So that's what, that, those are the moments that changed me to becoming the person I am now. It didn't just happen from just happening sake. It happened due to divine favor. I've got a question. Did you did you ever tell your wife that you spent the last 70 on the credit card? The reason why I spent my last 70 pounds, like I said, I've been through when I negotiated with the hand brothers, a gun to my chest. Mm -hmm. If I lost only before, why should I be afraid to lose 70 pounds to a to a training course? Even so I've always had the last, you see, I'm someone, I'm I'm one of those directors to to grow my business to seven figures. I never had the money. Everything I've ever created. I'll give an example. Over the last two to three years, I raised 1.5 million through social media, which helped me build my property portfolio. Mm -hmm. So I have never had to have the money, anything to create what I've created. I never had to have it. Sometimes we are in this mentality thinking that we have to have a lot of savings to do it. And my wife is a witness to this. In 2019, after been developing myself in, in coaching and training, I came back home and I said to my wife, the house we're living, we're going to turn into an investment property. I, we didn't have 20, you know, 20 or 100,000 in our bank account. My wife's like, okay, how are we going to do it? I said, we're going to find the money. And guess what? We found the money. So my mentality of why did I spend my last 70 pounds regardless? Because... As I said, it's just been me looking back. So every pain, every situation I've been in from my life, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if I did not die at that time, definitely this is leading me to somewhere. But now, 22 years later, I'm studying Richard Branson. I'm studying Elon Musk. I'm studying Jeff Bezos. But the one that inspires me the most is Elon Musk. Why? Because he started his business in, 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 in the 90s, early 90s. Did you know what he did? He went to his father and borrowed $28,000, which gave, virtually became um, paper, eBay from eBay to paper. Mm. A lot of us right now will go to, to our friends, 
to maybe borrow a credit card, you know, borrow money from someone to buy clothes. <laughs> so I started to understand how people can borrow and grow rich. And my mind completely transformed that actually successful people never have money to do what they want to create. In fact, the United Kingdom don't have the money to run the country, but yet the country is being run. So if only human beings can actually learn to borrow for the right reason and not for the wrong reason, we all can actually start to create the life of our dreams. Is it easy to do it? No. Does it come with a lot of pressure? Yes. But as long as you're borrowing to doing the right thing. So for me, spending that last 70 pounds, regardless of where my mindsets are, it gave birth to the, you know, the multi-million pound property portfolio that I have today in London, gradually spreading across England, just literally a little bit. So when I look back 20 years from now, by that time I'll be 63 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, whoa, thank goodness <laughs> I made those choices. But I wish I knew them early enough. At least you know him now. Well, Absolutely. So I've noticed this, and I'm pretty sure Anthony has, one person you've mentioned a lot in your story is your wife. How much of a significant value does she hold to you? Because she's been through you through the thick, the thin, the goods, the highs, and she's still even there now. No word of a doubt. A lot of women who would have been married to a man like me would have been divorced. <laughs> it's very straightforward. No disrespect to the English culture and the British culture. I'm African, I'm Nigerian, can't take that away from me. I think marriages in England is built only for the good times, not for the bad times. So a lot of kudos to my wife because she's seen in those darkest moments, those darkest moments where every single woman would basically look and say, listen, I don't understand what's going on in your life. Whatever this is, sorry, I'm tired. I mean, we have gone through, we went through three divorce attempts. The three divorce attempts wasn't because of her, it was because of me. It was I. I'm like, this is getting too much on me. I don't think it's gonna work. Mm. Let's leave it. But she picked up the courage and said, you know what? I'll ride or die with you. But again, 23 years of experience of going through different things that only in the last 17 years, my life kind of, became, I've enjoyed the last five years of this of this new, this new terrain. Yeah. So, and without my wife, you know, I, I've never really said this before, but without my wife, I don't think, you know, I would, I always knew I would be successful, but I think without my wife, I wouldn't be as successful Absolutely. as I am at this very minute. Mm. Because she is someone who has seen me in those dark times and she's still there. She's been through a lot with me. And like I said, you know, there's things I've been through that a lot of women wouldn't take. I just don't leave that guy. Okay. But then again, I'll spin this around quickly. Okay. No, big smile. Let me switch it. Go ahead. I'm sure she's going to be proud of me, and she is proud of me because, like I said, I would have, I will always be successful anyway. But then again, if she has worked so hard with me, which happens in the real life, 
a lot of people are not patient enough sometimes. So imagine if she didn't go through all this pain with me and to what we're building now, yeah. and she all of, all of a sudden see me this successful, I'm sure she'd be like, why did I, why did, why, why did I just not be patient enough? And sometimes uh, we, we often quit at the verge of our miracles. Sure. So I'm sure if she did not pull through with me and with the level of success that I think I have achieved, she probably would have regretted it. So sometimes, just know, keep pushing. Help is coming. Keep pushing. Help is coming. A lot of us quit our marriages, relationship, friendship, and a lot of people are too quick to burn the bridges just at the verge of the miracle. So I'm, 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 I'm just thankful that God gave me, gave me a good woman. Amen. Shout out to Mrs. Moses. Yes, Mrs. absolutely. Shout out Mrs. Moses. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about now. You're in your business is a wealth, property, education. Well, I run a I run a corporation mm -hmm. uh, called Property Wealth. So within okay. Property Wealth, we have seven entities. Okay. So we have the management arm of the business. Mm -hmm. We have the property development arm of the business, focusing on co living space and HMOs. Okay. And then we have um, a portfolio building uh, um, where we help busy professionals to get onto property without needing education and all of that. We just basically do it, you know, help them get mm -hmm. into to build a property portfolio hands off. And then I run a educational company yeah. as well. So where I have over the last three years educated at least a thousand, you know, people uh, and, nice. um, you know, Currently, if I'm very correct, uh, a lot of people have anticipated that while we're one of the fastest growing, diverse, you know, educational company in the UK, you know, trying to get to the top like the, mm -hmm. like the big boys. Um, and as well as um, I run an investment entity as well within the organization. And yeah, so I think if I'm right, that's about five or six now. And um, six. yeah, and and as well as we 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 run multiple, we run a joint venture SPVs. So joint venture meaning for some of our investors coming in into the company, and we own assets in that entity. Okay, nice. So if I was someone who was interested in getting into property, because you see a lot of schemes from get rich quick schemes, or yeah. you know, there's a lot of facade on the internet. So like, just go back to what I was saying. So if I was someone who wanted to get into property, where would I start? Number one, there's no such thing as get rich quick in property. I think it's all a myth. Um, it's, all a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive deceit on getting rich quick. Um, and I think everybody should be debunking from it. There's, you, can't, you can't get rich quick in property, except if your problem in life is a thousand pounds. You take one rent to rent, the rent to rent makes you one thousand pounds, you're happily ever after. Even at that, for those who talk about rent, rent to rent is a business. You're going to have profit. You're going to have losses. You're going to have management costs. You're going to have running costs of the business. So if you're making a thousand pounds from a rent to rent deal and then your expenses is 1500 pounds, then you're still not making money. I think people just need to understand like property is a long-term investment journey. Mm. It's a get rich for sure. As long as you set a plan. I teach something called the wealth creation formula. And the mm. number one step on the wealth creation formula is get knowledge. Get knowledge. 
Number two is have a plan. Set yourself a five-year goal. Okay, I'm starting in property, deal sourcing, rent to rent, um, lease option, property development, whatever that is, set a five-year plan. The reason why a lot of people get started in property and quit within the first six months to a year is because they don't have a plan. So over the last five years, mm-hmm. I've been in the game and I saw how it's taking me blood, sweat, and tears to build what I have built. You know, I started learning about property in 2016 mm. and I started teaching it in 2020. And before I started teaching it, I was already doing it for almost about three years, doing really well, doing it really successfully, you know, had a lot of property to my name. During lockdown, I bought four properties. I bought three properties during lockdown. The following year, I bought another four. So I've done property well enough. You know, then I started teaching people about it. And the major reason why I started teaching people about it was people kept coming to seek, you know, to say, oh, can I pick your brain? Can I pick your brain? And then I met one of my mentors, Adam Stott. And when we're talking, I was like, and he's like, of course you can sell that. And that was what gave us property wealth education. And within property wealth education now, I've created three property millionaires. Nice. Anthony Howell, Asma, Charlie, uh, Charlie Ray Smith, and more. So these are people I've helped become owners of a million pound property portfolio. And it, uh, trust me, it didn't take them six months. It took uh, them some time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... A little while ago, me and Ajne went to Little Aston, a nice place in sort of Coldfield where a lot of the wealthy guys, and we met a man who was into property. And he said, his best advice to someone looking to get into property is to buy a piece of property within the next 15 years. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for you to get a property. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? Like I said, it kind of marries up with what I was saying, isn't it? Five-year plan, mm. right? If you set your game, if you have a game plan to say, okay, this is where I want to be five years, 10 years. I normally use the five-year milestone because over the years, right, if your business can survive five years, that means you, you tried. A lot of businesses, most businesses don't survive a year to two. Same thing. Most people who get into property don't survive a year to two. So when my business was about to turn five years, I went through a different sort of challenge again to survive the fifth year into the sixth year. What so was that I, challenge? A few challenges because sometimes challenges like at some point investors now seeing what you're doing and seeing that you're owning so many other properties and it's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm giving you money and you're buying more properties. So actually now I want my money back because I want to go and buy my property. <laughs> yeah. So that was a challenge. And I, I faced that, I actually faced that in late 2021 and early 2022 when I was going into my fifth, my official fifth year, because mm-hmm. my first property entity was registered in 2017. So now a lot of my investors are asking me for my money, you know, I need to get my money back. And I'm like, oh my days, I wasn't ready. So at some point I had to, again, re-leverage, restructure, sell if I need to. Mm-hmm. All right. Which I did to give them their money back and hold on to what I need to hold on to. So yeah, those challenges do come. So for me, yes, this is one of the most creative time. And I remember asking God, I said, 2008 was the last recession. I currently were in one right now. So I missed 2021 recession. So I missed 2008 recession. And currently we're in, a, in, in, in the new 
recession right now that is going to create a nest of new millionaires. And if you can buy enough property below market value right now and you hold them for the next 10 to 20 years, you're, you're made. I'll give you an example. I bought my first house with my wife in 2006. Mm-hmm. Today, I still own that same asset and it's worth 800,000 pounds. And we paid 247,000 pounds in that property in 2006. Wow. So yes, he's very correct. If you buy an asset now, obviously a cash-producing asset, come 2030, 2043, mm-hmm. you guys will be in your late 30s, right? Mm-hmm. You're millionaires. If you can learn to buy 10, 20, 15 of them, yeah. you're multi-millionaires in assets. And equity that has risen naturally, depending on where you bought it. So let me give that why, the reason why I use that analysis. If I knew... And I just bought where I lived in 2006 at that time, and it's now worth 800,000. Why did I not buy 20 of them within three years, within four years, within five mm. years? Why didn't I keep buying? But guess what? I only bought my second property, which was my investment property in 2019. So it took me almost what, 12 to 13 wow. years? It's a long time. And most people are in that bubble where you buy one first for where you want to live, and you never know what to do to buy the second one that could start becoming an investment. Yeah. So would you say if I was to buy a house, is it I should buy a house to make an investment property or I should buy a house just to live in there? Never buy where you live until you own enough assets that can look after so many things around you financially and otherwise. Mm. Then buy where you live. So right now I don't own where I live. I live in a I live in a five bed detached property. The rent a month is about three thousand pounds. The cost of running the house is another thousand pounds. So it cost me about four thousand pounds to run where I live. All right. And it's one of the most coolest areas in Bromley. Nice. You know, shout it out. Shout it out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the cheapest property on where I live is 1.2 million. The house actually is worth about 1.8 million. Mm. Now, I've created a business that pays for that four thousand pounds cost. And I work from home. Now, I am owning more properties that's helping me look after the certain things. Now, the equity I had in the first house that I bought with myself and my wife that we lived in helped us to also scale our property portfolio. So never buy where you live. Obviously, the new market now, there's 100% mortgage on the market, so everybody should take advantage of that, by the way. Yeah, I heard about that. Then, then that's fine. But if not, if you have to cost you 20%, 15% deposit to buy where you live and that's like 50, 100,000 pounds, no, buy an investment property rather than buying an asset. There's, there's difference between assets and liability. Where you live is a liability. I learned this word very well from one of my mentors. You know, and I don't know where I live. I own properties, you know, and my property portfolio is in excess of over 7 million. Mm. Serious. Looking to get more properties? The goal is to build a hundred million pound property portfolio here in the UK. Yeah. You know, and that we will do within the next 10 years. Is that your 10 year plan? Yeah, that's my 10 year plan. Have you ever thought about buying land and building apartments or houses on it? Within the 10 year plan that we've got, mm-hmm. which is getting from just around 7 million that we are now to get to, to get to 100 million. We have all of that uh, as part of it. 
because yeah, we want to create well. larger co-living spaces, mm-hmm. you know, like 40, 50 units. And one of one of our goals is to hold and as well as just basically hold and leverage on debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so leverage on debt, sell when we need to, you know, um, and and keep uh, you know and and uh, and keep when we need to. Okay. I don't know how we didn't mention this. You're on Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I I am currently a member of Forbes Coaches Council, uh-huh. uh, 2023, a prestigious, prestigious, you know, community of very successful coaches, very business, prestigious. very very, very, very prestigious. prestigious. In order to be a member of the of the Forbes Council. You ought to have had a minimum minimum um, net worth of at least a million pounds to three million. That's the minimum criteria they look at, or a business that's at least done a million mm-hmm. to three million dollars. You know that's one of the uh, you know criteria. Uh, you know, and uh, I had to go through about four interviews, you know, in order to be approved into becoming a member. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great place. Uh, my first article. Which is pushing through resilience. I was was published in April, so yeah, Google it and read about it. And I, I was actually, reading a few articles. Yeah, today to be yeah. fair. How does that make you feel? Is that one of your goals to ever be put on Forbes? Well, I think one of the things that got clearer over the last twenty two years. I'm forty three years old now. One of the things that got clear is I wish I had utmost clarity. You know, you guys are you're in your early twenties, right? Uh, 22, yeah, twenty two. If I had the opportunity to have spoken to people like myself in your age, all right, in your age, and I got the opportunity to be close with them, to know what they were doing right or wrong, I think I'll be the greatest vision of even bigger than I am now. So I think one of the biggest things you guys have done to yourself now is being to get people like myself and so many others, whether it's branding, whether it's success, wealth, whatever that is, not just having them on your podcast, but being able to form a relationship that instantly becomes an indirect mentorship that will allow you to actually break through so many barriers through brand association and collaboration. So being part of Forbes, you know, in my community, I don't know right now anyone on Forbes. So absolutely, yes. Um, I just got my very first public speaking gig Mm -hmm. and... And it's a whole lot of money that we're discussing for me to just come and speak for an hour of what I know. Can we get a number? Not yet. Not yet. I had to ask. Had to ask. <laughs> you know, not yet. And, 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 and I just feel quite humbled. I'm like, you know what? I think knowledge, like I said, part of my wealth creation formula, and I talked about just of the two steps, mm-hmm. uh, which, is not, which is getting knowledge and obviously setting yourself a five-year goal plan. So yes, indeed, 100%, uh, being part of Forbes, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing for me. And it's just part of the many accolades on, it, on its way. So as an author, um, I was gonna ask you, coming back to some of the books you've read and how important it is to have knowledge, what's some of the books that you have read which have really inspired you to become the person you are today? Two basic books changed my life. The 10X Rule by Grant Cordon, mm. Key Person of Influence by Daniel Presley. They just changed my life. It changed my life to be the name. It changed my life to be the brand. It changed my life to become a key person of influence. Mm. Nice. I also wanted to ask you, you told us on the call that you cried while writing the first book. Second book. The second book. Why? 
The Test has been a very emotional book for me. Mm-hmm. You know? And my wife was reading it the other day. She's like, you're just talking about our whole life <laughs> and how we've never given up. The Test has been very emotional because it's almost like I had to relieve every single moment. So I'm writing it, I'm thinking. Obviously, the editors have to start pulling things out mm-hmm. a little bit and like, no, hold back on this when we do the second version because the test is big. Because I just wish and I hope every single one who will read the test will be able to relate to it to themselves because if everybody can understand testing is definitely part of what creates success, I think we're going we're gonna to have... Because I think people talk about the success part a lot. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people talk about the pain, the challenge, the challenges. Would you say that's what the, it takes? Would you say that's the hype of social media? Absolutely. You know, social media just shows you the happy, happy side, mm, and facts. it's like very soon, you know, very soon I'm going to start talking about the dark side. Mm-hmm. I want to talk more about the dark side of a truth. It might come across as negative, but is a negative? You know, the whole there's a hype on social media. Because everybody want to hear the good stuff. Oh, you can do whatever it takes. Yeah, 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 I can do whatever it takes. But then again, you can do whatever it takes. But what about when you're in your room where you don't want to get up? True. By yourself. By yourself. And asking God and asking whatever you believe in. Why you? I remember the first time I, my debt level got to 200,000 pounds. Thank you for watching the CEO of You podcast. And recently we've had a look at our analytics and we've noticed over 80% of you guys are not subscribed. So if you could do us a favor, hit the like button, subscribe button, and also comment down below as well. Thank you. And back to the video. And I couldn't, I wasn't sleeping properly. When was that? When I first started raising money, yeah. right? This was way back in 2019, 2020. And then lockdown hit. My debt level was 200,000 pounds. But the 200,000 pounds was in buildings, in brick and mortar. And everything is telling me lockdown has just happened. Oh, you're going to fail. You're not going to be able to pay this money back. Did you panic? I suffered from like sweating. Um, I was always sweating. But guess what? After that pain comes the sunshine, right? A couple Mm -hmm. of months later, my property got revalued at 700,000 pounds and I made my first 300,000 pounds. And I remember not being able to sleep for over two weeks and I'm looking at my account balance, 300K. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) woohoo. But again, you had to go through that anxiety. You had to go through, Mm -hmm. and I think for me, I want to start talking about it's normal to go through those things Mm -hmm. because without those anxiety sometimes, pressure sometimes, you're not going to have resilience level to push through to becoming a overcoming entrepreneur. Mm. I read an article about you. Can't remember which one it was. It says a typical day in your life. You wake up, can't remember what time, but you told us 5.30. I think think the article might have said six. You pray and then you go for a 5K run. Yeah. I just wanted to know, is that true? I've got a very interesting routine. Um, however, over the last two weeks, from the date of this podcast, depending on the day you're releasing it, um, I wake up normally at 5.30 a.m. in the morning and I just listen to something. You know, over time, that changed, you know, between 5.30 a.m. in the morning to around about, you know, 7 o'clock. But mm-hmm. right now, currently about 7 o'clock, 
because over the last two weeks, I've not been, I've been in a different zone where I'm just basically, I think the test has brought me to this place where it's almost like I'm just reliving and relooking and everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the test has just changed a lot of things around me. So yeah, normally I wake up at 6, 5.30, worst case, 6.30 in the morning. So my alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I wake up, I pray, and I go for a 5K run every single day. Is that on a treadmill or actually no, outside? outside, outside. Okay. Yeah. I, I go out for a run. But like I said, over the last couple of weeks now, you know, I've just, I've not run mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of weeks. And the reason why I've not run is just, I just feel like I need to relax. I need to chill. Don't blame you. You know, I just, like like, you work hard, I just feel like, I just need to chill. <laughs> like, why do I need to wake up 5 a.m. every single morning? Bear in mind, you told us you go to bed at like 12, 12 or yeah. 1. Naturally, I go to bed like 12, 12, 30, sometimes 1 o'clock. So that's like four or five hours yeah. of sleep. That as well, at the moment, I'm also trying to change. I'm trying to go to bed like 10, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah. For me right now, it's not like, I just feel like I need to just, yeah, the truth is, let's the truth be told, I have a mentor who is quite brutal in his teachings, you know? But, and I have done quite well for myself. But I think I'm not in that place of my life where I, I now need to be me mm-hmm. and to just kind of relax. Because like I said, 22 years is a whole long, long time. I came to this country, first generation of immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to get my way to having my resident permit. You know, and, and it's just been a journey. So looking back, even when I first came to this country, I probably would be speaking to you lot, even mm-hmm. to, because to tomorrow my, my son still tells me, Daddy, you didn't say that correctly. You didn't pronounce that correctly. <laughs> my African accent is still there. Somehow I might not even be resonating to the British audience, the core hard British audience, but against all odds, you know, mm-hmm. driving through, just pushing through and letting nothing hold you back. Because I think the biggest part of our life is that we judge ourselves a lot, but actually change that to being the reason why you want to be be yourself. So for me at the moment, I'm just trying to kind of, let me, let me push back a little bit. Let me, let me chill. Let me just relax. I've worked hard, you know? And the hard work's already shown. You know, and yeah, and it's gradually compounding. I think I'm now in a place where I think I've done what I need to do and I need it to compound and let God take the rest. Mm-hmm. It's like God is in your hands now. That's my mentality now. It's like God is in your hands. I've done everything I need to do. Nice. It's in the hands of God. Okay, so coming to the end now, it's been a really good podcast episode, I will say that. We've got two personal questions and I guess a question from our previous guest. So the first person question is, what is the reason you are doing what you are doing? The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is, like I said, my dad was never a millionaire. Mm. You know, and number two, my wife and my children. Mm. I've got to build a name that opens the door for them. That's the goal. Interestingly, and I explained this in great detail, two weeks ago, someone saw my wife in the restaurant and recognized my wife. Oh, you're Daniel's wife. It's like, yeah, I don't know you. And it's like, yeah, I've never met you. They ended up having a very interesting conversation and the person paid. Oh, that's you nice. know, and, and then gave my daughter a gift, right? At the end of the day, 
And that's beautiful. And that's because of the name that's happening at the moment and mm -hmm. which will continue to be built. So, and I just wished that my, I, I mentioned my, my father's name. So the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is what my father did not do for me as a child. Mm -hmm. And I pray and God is on my side. I'm able to do more for my children. You know, I'm one of those that believe in legacy. I have to pass something off to my son. And I'm already raising him as an entrepreneur. <laughs> nice. So my kids, my family is the reason why. Let me hit you with my personal question. What's seven things that you can't live without? What seven things mm -hmm. I can't live without? Oh yeah. my days, that's a huge list. How <laughs> uh, am I going to go through that? What's the seven things I can't live without? I can't live with music. I can't live with my phone. Uh -huh. I can't live without my laptop. Uh -huh. uh, I can't live without um, traveling to come down here and not listening to something in my ears. So my earphones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how many is that? Four. I can't, obviously. Three more. Found my wife. Can't live without my wife. Can't live without my kids. Can't live without my daughter. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll keep that as one. I'll keep that as one. Two more. Two more. I'm trying to be creative there. Okay, so I can't live without my family. That's six, right? That's five. five That's five. Five, five. Okay. Two more. Two more. Um, oh, my mom is 87 years old. Obviously, she's getting older. I just sometimes feel, uh, how am I going to live without my mother? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. number six. I can't live without money. Facts. Okay. You can't. Okay, so I answered that pretty quickly pretty compared to everyone else. Definitely. <laughs> so our question from our last guest was, if you won billions of dollars, would you continue doing what you do? If I what? If you won billions of dollars, would you continue doing what you do? If I want, if I won. If you won. Yeah, won. If I won a billion dollars, I reinvest it and I keep doing what I'm doing. Would you? Yeah. You wouldn't just think to retire. I keep doing what I'm doing, but obviously I'm, I'm going to be able to make more impact. It's compound. Sure. So I think this is probably why they say business people never win lottery, right? But <laughs> I think you might just give me an idea there. Probably start playing some lottery then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the money to just got the play. Money to do it. So I got the money tickets to play. every day. <laughs> but I just got the money to play and just keep playing so that when, when I win it, I, I reinvest it and buy just buy a whole street. That would be sick. Imagine. Oh my days. Right, we should best of luck with that. <laughs> Daniel, man, thank you for coming on. It's been a great podcast. We thank appreciate you so traveling much, down. Thank Daniel you so, Moss. so much for having me. This has been an amazing podcast. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this and looking yeah. forward, Look to, forward the to the next book as well. And also, thank you for the first book. Appreciate thank it very much. Daniel. That was great. a gift as well. Thank you so thank much. You very much Daniel. Fantastic.